I feel really stirred. <laughs> um, you know, this morning as I was uh, coming to church, I said, the Lord just said, all we have to do is invite him to come. And, and the other things that he was speaking into my heart is this, as uh, there's many in our body that have faced sickness this past week. And the, <clears throat> I was praying into that and thinking about that. And there are two scriptures that just really rose up on the inside of me. And uh, one is Matthew eleven twelve. We were just singing, you know, we want your kingdom to come. And it says, Mark 11, Matthew eleven twelve says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So what does that mean? That means we don't just sit back and wait for the kingdom to come. We take it by force. You know what else it means? That there's someone that's forcing against us to keep it from coming. The other one that he said, they really spoke to my heart is, is uh, Revelation 12, 11, switch the numbers, is they overcame them by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcame them by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Then he took me to Numbers chapter 13, very, very familiar passage of scripture. Numbers 13, he, he called the children of Israel. He said, I've given you the promised land. Now get 12 spies and go spy out the land. And I'm not going to read it all, but in, in Numbers 13 there, he sends them in. They go into the promised land to spy it out. And then in verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 26, it says this. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They said that the fruit was so big, the grapes, the clusters of grapes they had to carry on a rod between two men, the cluster of grapes was so big. That's pretty flipping amazing. You know, gotta understand that this land that they were told to possess was the land of giants. And I'm not, I'm not gonna get into Nephilim and men and angels or women and angels and all of that having a, a race, but it, I don't want to get in mur mur murky water. I want to stay the course. And, and it said that they, there were giants in the land. And the Lord showed me this some time ago about the beauty of that, that God sent giants ahead of them to build something they couldn't build themselves. And he said, I've given you the promised land. Is that future tense? Is that present or is that past tense? given. I have given it to you. It's yours. It's already yours. What they needed to do was go possess it. He did not say there would not be an enemy. Matthew eleven twelve. the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent take it by force. And as I was on my way here, I was thinking about the people, the families who've, who've dealt with sickness and things like that. This week, my own mother wasn't feeling well, hasn't been feeling well. And I, and I thought about that and I was as I was coming, I was thinking, all of this in the end, the Lord said, you're focusing on the enemy instead of on the victory. They overcame. He said, what you see is overcomers, those who are pressing through. They don't just lay down and give up and quit. They press through. It doesn't mean there won't be an enemy. Huh? Nowhere did he say there wouldn't be an enemy, but he said, you're more. Romans 8 says, you're more than conquerors through him. Come on, I just need one or two to go with me. We're going somewhere. <clears throat> they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We have to understand, we have to release that word. It can be stirred up on the inside of us, but we have to release it. And sometimes that's in the midst of the battle. This is the promised land the Lord has already given me. I won't sit down, I won't cave in, I won't quit. 
I mean, I look at, at Mel staying up here. Judah, Friday night, had a, a fever, 102. Thursday night, Friday, 102.5. Just stood and believed. We prayed with her and believed. And last night, 7.30, she texted, I'm going to bed. And went to bed and slept through the night, pretty much. And I was just thinking about, well, we can focus on the battle or we can focus on the victory that's already been given to us. And the enemy wants to take your attention and put it on the battle instead of on the victor. As he wants to make you a victim instead of a victor. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. We don't like to hear that. We want this easy. This, I get saved and it's wonderful. I remember Papa John, John Keller, he's with Jesus now. But he said the problem that's plaguing the church today is we get born again and we want to get safely and comfortably make it to death. We want to safely and comfortably make it to death. Jesus, get me saved. Get me filled with the Holy Ghost. Shabbat Rambambashe. I get stirred up and get excited, but I don't want to face anything. I don't want to go through anything, Jesus. You're, you're beautiful, but I don't want to face anything. He wants us to go. If we are facing something, let me just say, God anoint my tongue. <clears throat> it's not that God sends it, but when it comes, he's given you authority over it, but we have to take a stand. We can't just take this position of, well, God's in control. He's sovereign and he's going to work it out. Do I believe in the sovereignty of God? I believe that there's none more powerful than God. I believe that there's none that comes before him nor can manipulate him. But is God controlling everything? No. He said the heaven and the heavens are his, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. Thank you, Ben. That's right. He's given the earth to the sons of men. So the will that you're seeing on earth is what men have allowed. Amen, oh me, it's the reality. And the thing is that the church is taking this back seat of passivity saying, well, God's in control, so all I gotta do is hang on till the end. He said the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said that, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Amen. And this morning, there's been challenges. There's been challenges with our sound before you got here. There's been challenges with it. And the enemy wanted me to focus on the challenge. And he said, you can focus on the challenge or you can focus on the overcomer who lives in you. We have to make that choice. Your neighbor can't make it for you. You have to make that choice. We have to say, no, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm more than a conqueror. I won't sit back. I won't cave in. I won't quit. I know who my redeemer is. He's alive and he's alive in me. He's alive in me. So here's what we're gonna do. I love the Lord. You know, when I get the time in the week that I really want to have to study and all, and I get really stirred up about something I'm going to share, most nine times out of ten, he switches it. (laughs) He's just beautiful. But you know what's so great? I get to spend time with him. That's what's beautiful. So, uh, Ricky, I want you to come up and share about your hand. We're going to do that one right now. You can be seated for a moment. Um, I don't know what to do with y'all just yet. So bear with me. You need this or? Yeah, just a knife right now. Right yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I'm going somewhere with it. Okay. Uh, 
I had been out fishing, caught uh, several bass. Yeah, isn't that good? Uh, carried them to my shed. We're cleaning them. I have, I've got a, a military knife. It's got your blade on the bottom, but it's also got a blade up on top. It's called a cable. Well, I used that knife, which has already been had already been used to clean a deer with. I scaled a knife, uh, fish with it. I gutted the fish. I cut the head off with a knife. take my fist and I come down on top of the knife. Ow! Becky said, what did you do? I just cut myself. I laid the knife down. I reached up, grabbed a piece of paper towel. Wonder why. I dobbed it. The next thing I done, I took my flesh, my fingers, and I pinched the flesh together. Blood, I command you in the name of Jesus to coagulate. Flesh, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. Be sealed, healed with no infection. I'm walking down the hallway to the bathroom. Becky is right behind me. Go into the bathroom. She said, what you want? I said, get some Band-Aids. She said, all right. So we dried it down. I said, put two Band-Aids across here and two across here. Pull them tight. Put two band-aids here and put two band-aids here. Pull them tight. Three days later, I didn't go to the emergency room. I went to the bathroom. Three days later, I took the band-aids off. Can't even see it. <laughs> Show and tell over here. You can't tell that you can't see a scar. I mean, there's barely even a little line that you can see. So, uh, he, they, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force you know it makes absolutely no sense to to the natural to have a cut 
that needs attention. And when he said this, I almost said out loud, but it, you would have laughed and not taken me seriously. So I didn't because I put the two together and the Lord reminded me before I said it. <laughs> he said, I didn't go to the emergency room. I went to the bathroom. And what the Lord said to me is he went to the throne room, not the bathroom. He went to the throne room. See, that's, see why I didn't say it? You gone. You're totally gone. Y'all took me right out of that moment with Jesus. <laughs> but he went before the throne and took his authority and you go, well, that can't happen. And it won't for you with that mentality. Huh? Unbelief. It won't. You can say that. Oh, that, won't ha- that didn't happen. That can't happen. And you know what? It won't for you. Because unbelief will stop it from happening in your life. Instead of taking that testimony where it says in Revelation 19, the spirit of Jesus, I mean, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know what that means? It means Jesus said, when you testify, I'm saying, I'll do it again. That's exactly what it means. So when you hear a testimony, it's not that Jesus did it for him because Ricky is his favorite and he only do that for Ricky. No, it's because Ricky, over, over these years of hearing the word, believing the word, declaring the word, has grown in faith and, and understanding. He was talking with me earlier. He said, I don't know if I can share it. What do you think? Your people, you know, your people. I get that a lot. I don't know how to take that. I take it as a compliment, my people. My people is crazy after Jesus, as my people is. And, and uh, he said, I don't know how they'll take it. I said, you know, here's what I know, Ricky. Everyone's on a journey. We're at different places along the road, but we're on that same journey. And sometimes when we hear a testimony, it calls us up to a place we're not. Amen. I mean, he, he spoke to his blood. He spoke to his body. And it responded. Three days later, it was not scabbed over and getting better. It was healed. Right? That's the testimony of Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm so stirred up. This, as I was thinking about, this is November. And the Lord said, this is going to be Thanksgiving month. So I don't know what that looks like as far as corporate worship. But here's what I know. He's worthy. He's so worthy. An unbelieving world is wanting to believe, but they want someone they can believe in. And that'll only happen through a believing church. Amen. Kendall, you and Brooke come up. You know, last week after church, we went a little long, but last week after church, Kena was... uh, uh, over in the parking lot, and they were talking, and they were talking about, yeah, I said, thank you for sharing. She said, it's good. She said, but boy, I was just kind of nervous. I said, welcome to my world. I said, that's every Sunday for me, not because I'm afraid to do my job, but because I don't want to do my thing. I want to do what he's doing. I want to be sensitive to his voice. I want to follow him because we've done church for so long. Amen. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. That was good. That encouraged me too. Thank you. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, okay, so. And start with Wednesday before. Oh, okay. Okay, so last Wednesday, so two weeks ago, um, um, my brother, 29 years old, has not been doing good. We had small group, and I just lost it. I, um, my mom was battling alcoholism for as long as I can remember.
over. So it was just, and my brother just kind of fell into that too. Um, with drugs, alcohol uh, for, I don't know how many years. He's 29, so it started when he was like 15. And I was just, I just lost it. I want him to know Jesus so bad. Um, so we prayed, we just claimed his salvation. We claimed, um, we just knew it was going to be soon. Several prophetic words came yeah. that it's going to be soon, not. Very soon. Wednesday, um, Sunday came up here, and I just said, Nathan is a son of God. Nathan knows Come Jesus. On. He's going to walk intimately with him. Our Father sees him just holy and blameless and without Come on. fault. Um, so that morning, Brooke, you want to tell her the vision? Um, so Sunday morning, it was like probably 6 in the morning, 6.30, and you know when you're like in between wake and sleep? I love that place because I feel like the Lord talks to me a lot there. And I was in that place, and all of a sudden I had this vision of her brother. And um, I had this vision of me going up the steps, and he was sound asleep in his bed. And I'm like, dude, wake up. We got to deal with some stuff. And um, and and I just, he sat up in the bed, kind of sober-minded, but not completely. And I told him, I'm like, this is what this is. This is a war against principalities of darkness. This is not Nathan the alcoholic, Nathan the drug addict. This is Nathan bound by a demon and we're going to get that thing gone right now and I told him I'm like but I'm not going to do this unless you're willing to receive the Lord as your savior and get filled by the Lord and get baptized in water right now because we will not we don't want this thing to come back with anything else against you come on you're gonna be so filled up that there's no room and so in the vision we did all those things we I laid him on his bed I prayed it was cast out he woke up completely sober-minded baptized him and then he got filled and simple as that it was that and I, t- I woke her up at six with the light on her husband just went to bed an hour before so I know he really come like oh my gosh I gotta tell you something I gotta tell you something and so we went downstairs and we prayed into it and I asked the Lord I said Lord when do we do this and he said it's an urgent assignment well the next day he was supposed to go out of town um for work and he went to a liquor store instead and got wasted and went to sleep and his boss came to pick him up and he couldn't go anywhere because he was passed out and i said mm, if satan only knew what that liquor store was going to cost come on him, come on because he's about to get wrecked so her his sister other sister over here morgan she called me she's like so nathan knows about the vision i told him and he said he'll meet with you and i'm like okay i mean i used to do really bad things with this guy back in the day so i was like okay i'll go meet with him i'll go meet with him and i'm like i have to bring my husband because Justin wouldn't let me go by myself. So we went, I called him, asked him if that was cool. He said, I'm waiting for you. So I told her dad about the vision earlier, and he came down on the couch and was waiting for me. And the dad's like, she's dead. He was in the bed. Why is he on the couch? <laughs> he was in the bed. So he falls asleep on the couch but couldn't get comfortable. So he's like, dad, I'm going to go wait upstairs for them. You know, I'm going to go sleep in my bed. And so I come in, and I said, where is he at? And he's like, in the bed. <laughs> so I walk upstairs, and I talk to him, and I said, Nathan, why, tell me why I'm here. And he said, you had some kind of vision, you know. And I'm like, yeah. So I told him what I saw. And I said, we're going to do that right now. I'm just going to do what I saw. And so I laid him down. And he starts to profusely sweat. He starts to tremble. That thing left. And he sits up. And he's sober-minded completely. Come on. And my husband said, do you know what salvation is? And he said, all I know is it lasts forever. He Come on. He was raised in church, but do nothing. And, I, and so Justin simply gives him the gospel because it is so simple. Simply gives him the gospel. He prays the prayer. Baptized in this itty bitty tub, and he's a big dude. It was fun. <laughs> we get him out of the tub, and we fill him with the Holy Spirit, and he gets up, and literally was like looking like a new man. We said, "How do you feel, dude?" He's like, "I feel light." I Come feel on. Light. And he said, "It's almost like my mind and my mouth are connected again." He used to just speak just demonic stuff, and now it's like he can 
Come on. What he was thinking. I feel clear-minded. And um, so we go to leave, and her dad walks us down, which is the funniest part. <laughs> her dad's like 70, what? Three. And um, he comes down, and he's like, oh, my God. He's just like, he didn't know what just happened. I didn't either. <laughs> so uh, we walked downstairs, and we were like, let's pray for you, Joe. And he's like, thank you. He's just weeping. And we just start to pray, and the Holy Spirit just smacks him and just falls on this man. He just starts to tremble, and he's like, I've never experienced that before in my life. And God just filled him up. We didn't have to give it a name, a title, nothing. He just encountered God. Come on. Way. That's so good. And we left an hour. It took an hour. Come on. God is good, y'all. Yeah. Like, he is good. And I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, But I just saw it, and I just did it, you know? And. I just, I'm, and then I'm thinking, oh, I need to go watch more videos about this to have more knowledge. And the Lord keeps telling me, it's not about the knowledge, it's Come just on. about believing. Who Obedience. I am and what my word says I will do and walking in that, walking by faith. And That's by so sight. good. So I just, we did it and it was awesome. And now I'm ready to lay hands on anyone. Whoever <laughs> <laughs> needs anything, you can call me. You got anything else? No, that's it. So, uh, that's him. That's the God we serve. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who he is. Nathan. Yeah, pray for Nathan just for God continue to bring encounter to him and that uh, continue to, to speak to his heart. I believe he can come back from being away two weeks and just had radical encounters with the living God that it's not limited to just well we got to have our hands I'm, I'm a firm believer in discipleship and I think that's where we as a church are, gonna, are, growing, are going to grow stronger in and I think that's where the body of Christ has to grow stronger is in this area of Jesus said go make disciples not uh, go make believers there's a big difference because we haven't discipled, the church hasn't discipled, and the cults have. That's why we see the condition that we do in our country. It's because the church will birth babies and leave them on the side of the road, and then cults will come along and disciple them. Amen. I mean, it's a fact that statistics have proven that the number one uh, convert into cults are not unbelievers, but it's uh, unbelieving believers. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's people who know enough about God to have had a, maybe a salvation experience but does, does not have no idea of what that means. And so these cults come in who know exactly what they mean and what they believe, and they start indoctrinating them, and they go, well, this sounds right because I don't know anything. Ah, oh me, amen. <laughs> it's the fact. It's the reality of it. But we have this awesome opportunity to believe God that he can work with Nathan even when we can't and uh, I mean to do that I, I remember I didn't remember and that's the beauty of the Lord to that when we met this past Wednesday and we talked about on Monday Nathan getting born again and uh, the, the Lord said it was going to be fast and I mean how about how cool is that that his sister Morgan knows he doesn't have a grid for this but calls him up and said yeah Brooke had a dream about you, and it's from the Lord. <laughs> He's like, you know, that's awesome. He's just good. That's who he is. He's good. 
ready. Here's the thing. As we're singing it, you know what that is? That's the gospel. So as we were singing it, I just wanted to say this. If you're here and, and you've done church, but you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this song is the gospel being presented to you. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in, in the resurrection. Uh, I can't remember the whole song. There's good stuff in there, but it's the gospel. I believe you, you're coming again. That's the, Jesus said, if you'll repent, which means change your mind and believe in me, you'll be born again. Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you don't have to go through a writ, a right, a, 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 this class to be born again. You can believe, you can change your mind and believe that Jesus is Messiah and Savior. And that's what we're singing about. And you can be born again into the kingdom of God. And then when you are, you come into a family and you learn how to grow as a child of God. So just as Nanette said, you won't have this identity crisis where you don't know. You said as soon as you let it go, it's mine. That's my point. That is my point. Currently, whose is it? Mine. Can he do anything with it? It is on the floor. Right. It is not in his hands. He currently cannot do anything with it. He right. cannot go put some gas in his car, get a meal, anything like that, until he bends over and picks it up. Right. Big shoes to fill. I am God. Yeah. This is everything in your life you will ever, ever, ever need. Come on. Healing, finances, peace, forgiveness, joy. Any, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. He comes down to earth. He kicks Satan's butt. Come on. He comes back and hands you. He said, I'm giving you every power and everything I've ever had. What I have done, you will do and more. That's right. There it is. Amen. Currently, can you do anything with it? Yeah. What do we all have to do? Pick it up. Now I can use it. That's right. Amen. See, she was quick with that. You see how she did that? She never let me pick it up. Y'all saw that, right? Because she know how I roll. I'm not going to sit there and go, man, that'd be good to have. I'll grab it in a minute. Come on, somebody. Yes, Lord. So, as we sing this now, I want us to sing it from a believing heart. Not a hope. Hope is good. Faith is the substance of those things that we hope for, the evidence of things that we've not yet seen. So, hope, a confident expectation, that's good. But there are things that He's provided for us we don't have to hope for. Amen? So, I didn't finish what I was reading. 
I just remembered that. Uh, I want to do this, and we're going to do a couple of things. Uh, in, in Numbers chapter 13, I started reading in verse uh, 26, and I, I think this is important, especially with the testimonies that have come. And, uh, verse 27, then they, t- uh, they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and, is, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the, and the Amorites dwell in the, uh, the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. So the people, the ten, came, and they said, yeah, it's a beautiful land. It's full of milk and honey, and and here's the fruit that came out of it. But they got their butt in the way. But there are giants there. We saw the giants. The walls are tall. It's amazing how fortified this city is, Right? That's what they said, right? I want you to stay with me. I don't want to make anything up. That's what they said. But then Caleb, verse 30 says, then Caleb quieted the people. You know why he had to quiet the people? What do you think they were doing? They were murmuring and complaining. They were stirred up because of the report that they had just received. Was that something new to the children of Israel, this whole murmuring and complaining thing? No. No, they got to the Red Sea. God said, go, I'm going to send you this way for a reason. God took them to the Red Sea, not to kill them, but to kill their enemies. They got to the Red Sea, and they start murmuring and complaining. God, you lead us out here in the desert to die because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. And God said, no, here's, here, let me show you what I'm going to do. So you open up the Red Sea. They went through murmuring and complaining is something that's natural, not just children of Israel, but to anyone who gets over into the natural. If you're looking at things from just a natural perspective, it's easy to murmur and complain. There's an abundance of information that you can dwell on that will cause you to murmur and complain. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. And that word able there means we've got the power to do this. What was Caleb resting in? His ability No, he was resting in the promise of God. That this is what God has said. I believe it. Let's go do what God told us to do. As Nanette talked about, about our identity, knowing who God has said we are and what he said is ours. uh, What Heather was talking about. He said, here's what I've given you. John 14, 12 says, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Amen. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the, uh, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. 
This is the key to every bit of it right here. He said, the spy said, we were grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in theirs. So what is he saying? They saw themselves as this weak little insect that was just to be stomped on by those who they were to come against. They were defeated. They had accepted that we're just a bug and they're giants. And that is so true today. If you're not careful, the world will tell you you're just a bug and we're going to squish you. But Caleb said, no, we are well able. Why? How could he say that? Did he see the same thing that the ten saw? Did Joshua and Caleb see the same thing? Yes, you know what? What was different? Their lens was different. What they were looking through was the promises of God, not the problems in the land. Amen. They were looking through the promises of God. This is what God has said. This is who God is and what he said he'll do. I believe who God is and what God has said he'll do. We're well able to take the land right now. See, I don't know what your promised land is. I don't know what God's put before you, but here's what I want you to know. If it's God that put it before you, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you can do on your own. It'll take somebody bigger than you to build it so that you can possess it because God does exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Amen. So those things that he's put in front of us is bigger than us. That's what he's calling us into. But we have to change the way we see us so that we can do what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. And I'm convinced that too many, too many times we, see, we get so focused on us, and we can even call it humility. And really it's just pride because we see us and our inabilities greater than we see his ability to empower us to do what he's called us to do. That's not humility, that's pride. Does that make sense? Because what I'm looking at is my capabilities above what God, God's promise and what God has said he would do in me and what he would said he would do through me. So today, I had something totally different I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the prodigal son and the things the Lord's been teaching me through the prodigal son and it's, it's dealing with stewardship but uh, something I want us to do right now, we're going to do corporately, is we're going to pray over this election. And I want you to hear my heart. My hope is not in either person. What do you mean? What I'm saying is this. They're just humans. So in and of themselves, they're not going to bring the change that needs to happen in America. Now, can one help that come along a whole lot easier than the other? Absolutely. Because of the position they've taken with <clears throat> saying, I'm going to appoint judges that will honor uh, the life of a baby. That will agree with the word of God that says that God said a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That it's a, a man and a woman, not two men, not two women. That that's the way God ordained it. And there, but it, among the candidates, one has said, that this is the stand I'm going to take, that I'm going to make sure that the, these next uh, judges that get appointed will be judges that, that honor biblical values. One has said, I'll do just the opposite. But I want you to understand, my hope is not in either of them. My hope is in Jesus. 
What America needs to be great again is not just someone who says they'll make it great again. It needs God to come back to be the forefront in the church. And as he comes back to the forefront in the church, then America will rise back to the standard that God created it to, to be a light to a dark world. As I said, and it's clear, if you look at the issues, it's clear where the candidates stand. And we should vote according to the Bible. That's the only way we can vote is according to what honors Jesus. Not our personal opinion of a person. Does that make sense? Not what we think they can do for us economically. That's all great. Not what they think they can do in the social system or, or make us a socialist government. <laughs> anyway, I'll stop. Our hope is Jesus, but we should vote according in, an, in agreement with what honors him. Amen? And that's the choice that's before us right now. And we, I want us to pray over our nation that no matter who, who gets it, Jesus is still on the throne. Now, is he ordaining, ordaining it? I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't, and I'm not going to get over into the sovereignty of God all over again. I talked about that earlier. Uh, I believe he allows what we allow. <clears throat> I believe that God has empowered people to be leaders, but men choose who they are. Enough said about that to confuse you, hope probably. But uh, I, I want us to pray because I do believe it's a defining moment in our nation. But I believe the church can arise and make a difference no matter who, who takes the White House. Amen. Well, and I really believe it's going to, I don't know how far to go. I think the church will arise, it always arises out of darkness when it sets its eyes on Jesus. Always, always, always. And uh, so, no matter who gets it, he's alive. He's alive and he's greater and he lives in me. But if the one who has said, I'll appoint uh, Supreme Court justices that will uphold uh, partial birth abortion, which is the most wicked thing I've ever heard of in my life. A baby born and them partially born, and they have taken a rod, shoving up in their brain and sucking their brains out and saying before their head came out they weren't really born. That's sick. That's sick. That's going on. Who is who has said, I'll support the homosexual agenda. And let it be known, that agenda is not for equality. It's for supremacy. It's not for equality. It's not so that we can be treated equal. Because right now, you understand in America right now, the only people group it's okay to persecute is Christians. Everyone else has an opinion. Everyone else can freely speak, but Christians cannot. If Christians freely speak, they're called bigots. They're, they're, uh, they're called haters, but all these other 
belief systems, whatever you want to call them, they can share how they feel and what's going on with them, and they have a voice that can be heard. But if the church speaks up, it's called, it's called controlling, it's called bigots, it's called a, a list of things. Jesus is amazing. And you know what I, I understand is this. China is a persecuted country. It's against the law to be a believer there. But Christianity in China is as strong and as vibrant as anywhere on the earth. Because they don't have easy believism that God get me saved and make it comfortable till I die. They know that every day, every time they gather, their life could be at stake. But they know the reality of who Jesus is and that's more important than their comfort. Wow. Wow. That's amazing to me. So I'm not trying to be sober. I'm not trying to crash a plane in a mountain because we just had this amazing testimonies of who God is and sweet worship. But we need to understand the reality of what's in front of us. And we as the church need to pray, not beg God to do something, but that the church would awake. Amen. See, God's done it, right? Jesus said what on the cross? It is finished. Just as Heather gave the illustration and she had the money there, she laid it down. God said, here's everything I have for you. We're not powerless. We're not at the mercy of what the government does. We're, we're greater than that. But we have to rise up. We have to take our rightful place as a church. So that's my prayer in this whole thing is that the church would really awaken, that they would see who Jesus is and who he is to them, and that they would stand for righteousness, for his honor, his glory, for the great price that he paid so that men and women can be born again. And I thank God for America, that it is a country that sent more missionaries around the world than any. It's sad when the countries around the world are sending missionaries here. Not because we're self-righteous, but because they see how America has degraded and, and what's become acceptable in our country. So Jesus, we acknowledge that you are good, that you love us, and that you have a plan. I believe, God, that the destiny on America hasn't been fulfilled. You haven't given up on America, that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Did they do it all right? No, they didn't do it all right. No man ever has but you, Jesus. But the heart of the, the birthing of this country was that Jesus could be high and lifted up, that men could know that there's one Savior, and his name is Jesus. God, I believe that we are a sending nation, that you've blessed America, and it's been uh, as prosperous as it has because you raised it up to send people around the world with the goodness of, your, of the gospel. And Lord, I don't believe that's been fulfilled. I believe there's still destiny on our country. It's evidenced by the people that you're stirring that are going to be obedient to give the gospel wherever you send them, Father. They're willing to get outside of their comfort zone and say yes to you, Jesus, so that this gospel, this good news that heaven has come in the, name, in the man Christ Jesus, and yet you've changed everything. God, I pray that your church would arise. They would awaken out of their stupor. They would awaken out of the darkness, God, and they would stand for righteousness, and they would vote righteousness, God. We have a responsibility in this country, and I pray, Father, that the church of the living God would stand and not vote economics, but they would vote issues, God, biblical issues, 
God, I pray, spirit of the living God, even as people were going to vote one way, that you would arrest them in their attention, that you, would, you don't uh, uh, take over us or, as I said, hijack us, and Holy Spirit, you would so uh, move upon their hearts that they would acknowledge you, Jesus, before they ever cast a ballot and realize it's bigger than me, that it's not about me. It's about you. It's about being a voice for those who can't speak. It's about standing for righteousness in an unrighteous world. So God, I know many have voted early as I have, but I know there are many yet to vote. And I ask Holy Spirit, just as Jesus taught us to pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth forth laborers into the harvest, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken hearts of those who say and have relationship with you, that, God, that America would rise up. The believers in America would rise up and vote according to your word, Jesus. I thank you, God that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work on the inside of us. So Jesus, I believe you're able to do that. I believe, God, that you're able to, to turn this nation as your church arises and sets their eyes on you. I do not believe that the destiny of this country is over, that all you've called America to be is finished. So Lord, I speak to that destiny. And I speak to those connected to that destiny through the birth, the being born again. Pray God, stir your church. That's revival, your church awakening, your church seeking your face. God, God let it start in the churches from the leaders all the way down. And Jesus, we say, be glorified. And we declare right now, Jesus, no matter who, no matter what, you are good, and you've got a good plan for us, and you're working with us. You've promised you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And the same power that resurrected Christ from the grave, defeated death, hell, and the grave, abides in us. And we choose, as an act of our will, to release that love, that compassion, into a hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.